for us. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews. Let us be attentive. Brethren, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, received promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering over deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And in all these, though well attested by their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had foreseen something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. According to St. John, let us be attentive. At that time, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, 
Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. At this time, in lieu of the normal sermon, we have uh, some extraordinary sermons coming up. Uh, The young people are going to preach today. So um, we have two divisions. We have the junior and senior division. And this year we do have five orators, three in the junior, which is grades 7th, 8th, and ninth and two in the senior division, which is grades 10 through 12. Our parish festival is part of a broader archdiocese, a national festival, which encourages teens to learn and speak about their faith. And this has been going on now for 31 years. So students can select from one of five topics to discuss and must prepare a speech. Uh, There's also essays and poems that can be presented as well. Uh, Today you're going to hear the speeches, of course. The top ranked from each division go on to the festival levels of metropolis and archdiocese. Uh, The metropolis level is going to be held in April in Des Plaines, Illinois, and the archdiocese level competition will be in June in Cleveland, Ohio. And students are judged on the contents as well as the delivery. So our parish judges are, and they're in the front here, huh? Dean DeVolis, Christina Hennessy, and also Mel- Melpo, Melpo Merdekis. As a reminder, the names of the participants cannot be given until all are completed with their speeches so as not to create any biases. And uh, to, uh, today, winners will be announced in the Great Hall approximately 1130, uh, right after church call. So the junior division will go first, and um, if our judges are ready, and we'll have speaker number one in the junior division, and the topic or prompt is select one of the gospel readings of the Sundays of the Pentecostadion between Pascha and the Feast of All Saints and discuss its connection to you in your life. So, um, orators, you're going to go and proceed right to the podium in the middle and just kind of get your mic checked to make sure it's okay for you. We can help you, and then you'll start.
test. Reverend clergy, honored judges, brothers and sisters in Christ. Can you imagine what it would be like to be blind from birth? No color, no scenery, no faces, no nothing. St. John tells us the gospel story of a man born blind. The disciples asked Jesus, quote, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus corrects them by saying, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him, end quote. Later, Jesus heals this man's eyes with spit and clay. In this story, there are many beautiful lessons that we can learn. The one that I'm going to focus on today is that this man's blindness provides for the occasion for God's mighty works to be revealed. This gospel story hits close to home because my dad is blind. In my dad's case, he has not been healed. Many people, including me, have prayed for my dad's eyes. He has even traveled the world to many different holy places. Yet, still, he is blind. When I was younger, I always asked myself, why hasn't God healed my dad's eyes? We may never have an answer to that question. But I have come to realize that unlike the blind man in the story, he does not have to be healed for God to reveal his mighty works through him. I think the Lord is using my dad's blindness to bring people to God. My dad's acceptance of his disease and his strong faith in God has allowed God's love to shine through him to be a great dad, husband, friend, and employee. In doing things that you wouldn't expect from a blind man, in giving God the glory whenever he can, he has shown God's mighty works. I think that we are all called to reveal God's works. So how do we do that? We should be like Christ in whatever we are doing. In fact, Elder Paisios of Mount Athos was quoted in the book, Spiritual Awakenings, as saying, quote, The goal is to be a spiritual person living close to Christ. Then you can be helpful to other people. When a person lives right, then his work on its own will inform others. End quote. The Orthodox Church gives us tools to help us live close to Christ. Our fasting, prayer, attending church services, and confession. By trying to be like Christ in all that we do, we let God's light shine through us. So being a mother, loving her children, a doctor, caring for his patients, or a teenager, making a cross before eating. God will be shown. For example, consider this common scenario. I'm enjoying time with my friends, and I spot someone out of the corner of my eye. My instinct is that they are feeling left out. Do I continue to enjoy time with my friends, or do I let Christ's love guide me to help them become included? What I'm trying to say is that in both big things and small everyday actions, God can be shown 
himself through us. Whether we are physically challenged or we are spiritually challenged, as we all are, we can become more like Christ, and then he will reveal his mighty works through us, his humble servants. Thank you. So we'll need uh, a few moments for the judges to deliberate there and get their scores together. So they're going to use their little worksheet and go through that. While we're doing that, I just want to let you know that we chose this time for the oratorical festival to take place so that uh, the students and the teachers of the church school wouldn't miss it uh, because they're going to, of course, go to class after Holy Communion. So I think it's nice that everybody gets a chance to hear the young people speak and to encourage one another. Also, uh, because the young people and the teachers are going to uh, miss the procession later, we're encouraging uh, the church school students of all ages to, during the great entrance, um, gather here in front of the icon of the nativity that I'm pointing to over here, uh, the large one there. We have some icons that we can give uh, the children or if they brought one from home. And then when the altar boys and the priests come by for procession, they can go into the procession with us and go around and do the stations, uh, making the sign of the cross and doing the prayers as we celebrate. The, uh, the, well, I shouldn't say that. What they're going to do is they're going to come around during communion time, I'm sorry, and just come up during the procession for communion and join that way so they can participate a little bit. And then later on at the end of the service, the parish council members will do the stations on each corner of the church and we'll do the prayers specifically for the Sunday of Orthodoxy. Okay? So be ready, uh, young people, at the great entrance, and then later on the parish council at the end of the service for the procession as well. Doxy? Good? Okay. Speaker number two in the junior division, and the topic is select one of the gospel readings of the Sundays of the Pentecost Custodium between Pascha and the Feast of All Saints and discuss its connection to you and your life. Speaker number two. Reverend fathers, honorable judges, ladies and gentlemen, fellow speakers, good morning. Do you remember a time where you thought you couldn't get where you needed to be, but then you had a breakthrough and you could? Well, those breakthroughs are actually blessings. And we get all of our blessings from God and Jesus, even though sometimes we don't realize it. In the story of the paralytic, John 5, 1 through 15, just like us, the paralytic didn't know that the blessing of being able to walk came from Jesus. I have received my own blessings. My blessings revolve around my school work. And even though my blessings may seem as though they come from family and friends, like the paralytic, my blessings ultimately come from God and Jesus as they act through my family and friends. For those of you who don't know the story of the paralytic, there once was a man who couldn't walk. He wasn't able to get into the waters that he had seen heal many people. But Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And the man was able to walk. The authorities asked him how he was able to walk. But the man didn't know, because he hadn't asked Jesus for his name. The story of the paralytic shows us that we get blessings from Jesus when we don't see him or realize 
him. And a blessing might not come directly from Jesus. It might come from a family member or a friend or even the people we don't know. I am sure that everyone here remembers the time they've said that was a blessing. I have had my own fair share of blessings. Earlier this year, I was having trouble understanding negative numbers. I was confused, I was stressed, I was upset, and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. No matter how hard I tried, I had a test the next day, and I couldn't figure it out. Thankfully, Tom, my stepdad, was there to help me. This was a blessing because Jesus gave me my stepdad and helped me when I was in need of it. Blessings can come from the people around us. Has anyone here heard of the organization Pennies for Patients? Well, Pennies for Patients is an organization that takes your donated spare change and gives it to, to cancer research. For people who suffer from leukemia and lymphoma, this is a blessing that comes from God and Jesus through this organization. I know my grandpa Friesen is a blessing. I have seen it. Just this past Christmas, I was in California, and we were about to do some Christmas shopping. We went to a donut shop, and there was a homeless man sitting there. My grandpa said, Tom, my sister Anastasia, there's a blue jacket in the trunk of my car. Will you get it over there and bring it to the man? I saw God and Jesus act through my grandpa to give this man a blessing. This man didn't even know who my grandpa was. He didn't know his name. Just like the paralytic and Jesus. As we can see, blessings come to us and people around us from all over. Even when we may not realize it. We have seen the blessing of the paralytic received from Jesus and the gospel reading John 5, 1-15. through 15. There are blessings in my own life, and there are blessings that come from organizations such as Pennies for Patients. And through the acts of strangers, just like my grandpa's reason. So my question to you is, for when was the last time you had a breakthrough and, and got where you needed to? And do you realize that was a blessing from God? Thank you, and may God grant you many blessings. The judges are still working. It's not an easy thing to be a judge for this uh, competition. I've done this before. It's, it's not easy at all. But at, while we're waiting, we're just going to kind of get ready with speaker number three, whose topic is, Why are the martyrs of the church characterized as great athletes? Why are the martyrs of the church characterized as great athletes? And are the judges... 
The judges need another minute? Good. Dean, are you okay? Christina, are you ready? Okay. Speaker number three. And just take a moment to make sure the mic's good for you and everything. Test. Reverend fathers, brothers and sisters in Christ, good morning. For a moment, close your eyes and imagine yourself scoring the winning goal in the final seconds of a game or stepping onto the Olympic podium to receive a gold medal for your sport. Incredible, isn't it? As athletes, we strive to accomplish our goals. We strive to be the very best. We challenge ourselves to fight to the bitter end. But in order to compete, we must prepare. As Orthodox Christians, we must also prepare. Our ultimate goal is to reach theosis. Theosis is complete communion with God. Achieving this goal is not easy. It takes training. Our holy martyrs are the perfect example of how training leads to overcoming hardships and accomplishing goals. They sacrifice their lives, confessing Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Training for a sport is no different than training to be Christ-like. We must prepare our bodies physically, mentally, and with proper nutrition. Athletes work out, stay psychologically focused, and eat healthy foods. As Orthodox Christians, we train and prepare through worship and service, prayer to our Heavenly Father, and through Holy Communion, which heals and strengthens our bodies and souls. When attempting to accomplish this goal, we must compete as well as train. Our martyrs are the greatest competitors in our faith. The holy martyrs were persecuted in horrific ways while attempting to reach their goal. They spread his good word to non-believers and never gave up. While doing so, they became united with God. The holy martyrs trained their hearts, minds, and bodies to reach theosis. St. George, the trophy bearer, was beaten and tortured countless times for proclaiming his faith. Throughout these beatings, St. George stood strong on his conviction and did not give up. He did the exact opposite. He proclaimed Christ's love and prayed while being placed in deadly situations and thrown into prison. He prayed to the Lord to give him strength and to forgive the people who were tormenting him. St. George was later beheaded for his constant proclamation of faith and his belief in Christ. Yet he was able to reach his goal and be victorious. The holy martyrs sacrificed their lives and fearlessly confessed Jesus Christ as the Savior of mankind. They strive to be united with God. Their training through prayer, perseverance, and faith allowed them to reach their goal. As St. Paul states in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. This means that our earthly trophies and objects have little meaning and they will not last. What matters is our relationship with the one holy God. His crown is the one we strive to wear. Our challenge is to join the race, fight the good fight, train to achieve theosis. Thank you.
So we now have two speakers from the senior division. Speaker number one's topic is, Jesus said, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Discuss the relevance of this teaching for Christians today. So once the judges are ready, speaker number one can also approach the podium and do a little sound check and then begin. Judges are good? Okay, speaker number one. Reverend fathers, members of the congregation, how many of you have wanted something so badly and the anticipation was so great that when you finally get it, you think to yourself, what was the big deal in getting this? When I was ready to get a new phone, I just had to have the iPhone 5. Considering that I had a flip phone before that, it was absolutely essential that I have one. All of my friends had smartphones, so if I didn't have one, apparently I was missing out on the most important thing in life, social media. But when I finally got it, it wasn't as life-changing as I thought it would be. It didn't make me feel whole. Jesus said, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Bread symbolizes the phone, or the material things we have in our lives. It is normal for us to be tempted by things, just as Jesus was tempted by the devil. We have to look to God for the way out of these temptations. Living off of bread alone is not fulfillment enough. It is the Word and the Holy Spirit that makes us whole. The bread nourishes our body, but the Holy Spirit nourishes our soul. Jesus was tempted many times by the devil, but he put his trust in God. We as Christians are also tempted by the devil, and we need to focus on God and put our trust in him, just as Jesus did. Jesus fasted to show us that God will provide us with the strength and wisdom when faced with temptation and suffering. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is telling us to put our trust in him, not in material things. The word of God will feed us. Jesus also warns us that one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. However, many people see their belongings as the criterion of success. They are tempted by having the largest house on the block, being the most successful at work, or having the newest smartphone. These items do not fill us and make us whole inside. Instead, it is Jesus who makes us whole in life. Jesus is telling us we should trust in God, 
not in the bread. Jesus wants us to follow in his path, and along his path we can see life. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. We can find God by using the tools he has given us, such as going to church, praying, fasting, partaking of the Eucharist, and by spreading his word to others. Doing these things allows all of us to have a deeper spiritual connection with God. If we don't live by the word of God, but by only what things we own, we aren't truly living our life the way God has intended. If we focus our thoughts on material things, they become hurdles in our spiritual journey. We are all encouraged to have Lenten goals and sacrifices. Through fasting, we reveal what is in our hearts, both to ourselves and to God. Fasting is denying oneself of the bread, those material things that distract us from God. Fasting allows us to suffer the way Jesus did, bringing us closer to him, relying on him for our strength and guidance. As part of my Lenten journey, I will be incorporating the word of God into my daily life by chanting our beautiful hymns during liturgy, prayer, and reducing distractions like my smartphone, to name a few. These things will continually feed my soul through the word of God and not of bread alone. As we move through Lent and Easter, how will you feed your soul? How will you attain your spiritual nourishment? If we live by the word of God, we will have the spiritual strength, wisdom, and stamina to overcome any temptation. Thank you. We have one more speaker in the senior division whose topic will be Some People Support, Others Criticize the Public Declarations of Faith of Celebrities, Athletes, and Actors such as Tim Tebow, Jonathan Jackson, and Troy Palamalu. How do their acts affect your attitude toward being open about your faith? Interesting topic. Are the judges ready? Okay, speaker number two in the senior division. Check, check, check. Okay. Ready? 
Reverend fathers, honored judges, brothers and sisters in Christ. As a teenage Orthodox Christian in today's materialistic, ungodly society, being open about our faith is one of the hardest things we can do. For the most part, the media just stokes the fire by continually promoting harmful values in movies, magazines, music, and on the internet. But every once in a while, in this dry, dry desert of famous people promoting not-so-Christian things, there is an oasis of sorts. The oasis is hearing any good message about God. For Orthodox Christians trying to wander through the desert, we have to cling to the little water we have. For us, this water is a person who openly proclaims and acts in accordance to their Christian faith. People like Tim Tebow, Trey Palomalu, and Jonathan Jackson are wonderful refreshers in this world we live in. How cool to see this. It is clearly laid out for us by our Lord in the book of Matthew, chapter 10. Quote, But whoever confesses me before men, I also will confess before my Father who is in heaven. Unquote. As a sports fanatic, it seems that I'm getting updates on my phone every five minutes about athletes who get a DUI, are involved in a sex scandal, a murder, drugs, or seen drunk out of their mind at some nightclub making poor decisions with their money. These messages are not ones we want to hear as Orthodox Christians. In a world where two-thirds of adults watch the NFL on a given Sunday, Naturally, these players are idolized, both on and off the field. So when we see someone like Tim Tebow, who starts every interview with thanking Jesus Christ, and before games, goes down on one knee to pray, this is really cool. This openness about his faith has given him a tremendous amount of media attention, but not all good. Yet he continues. On a smaller scale, we all struggle to proclaim our faith. I can look at Tim Tebow and get confidence to be strong about my faith in public, even if what I say might not be so popular. It is one thing to say you are devoted to God. It is another to put your actions behind your words. We see so many celebrities and athletes saying they're Christian and then the next day doing something completely ungodly. Here's an example. In an interview with USA Today in 2007, this person talks about the role of faith in their life. Quote, Faith is the main thing. That's kind of why I'm here. To be like a light. A testimony to God. End quote. Who do you think this is? Would you believe me if I said Miley Cyrus? Now, if you type M into YouTube, the third option down is a video of her naked swinging on a wrecking ball. This could be extremely damaging to a little girl who loved her Disney show as a child and idolized her because of it. Now, she may follow in her footsteps. This is why we have to be careful when we look up to celebrities, even if they seem to be portraying a good message in their words. Although we don't have a microphone and a press conference, we have to be the ones to inspire others about Jesus, using this confidence we get from our Christian role models. The church teaches us that the way we can inspire others is through our love, 
Saint Seraphim of Seraph teaches us, quote, save yourself and you will save a thousand around you, unquote. This shows that the first step to inspiring people is that we must grow in becoming like Christ. Theosis. As we grow in Christ, the question is, how might we inspire others? By encouraging, listening, having openness about our love for God, helping others, and living the life of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So whether it's Troy Palomalu, who frequently visits monasteries and raises money for the poor, Jonathan Jackson, who gave the monks of Mount Athos a shout-out in his Emmy acceptance speech, or simply my friend Marcus, who stood up for his faith at school about an important social issue and took the criticism that came with it. To be honest, this is the act that inspired me the most. So it's not only the famous people who are called to inspire. We all are called to inspire those around us in this dry, dry landscape we live in today. So we have to, have to ask ourselves, who will we inspire? Thank you. I want to thank all of the speakers for inspiring us. The last phrase there, who will you inspire? You inspired all of us today. So thank all of you for those beautiful messages so well delivered. We're going to give uh, the judges just a moment to finish.